Our scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 28, verses 17 through 31. The book of Acts 28, 17 through 31 is the ending of this book. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning to evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand you will indeed see but never perceive for this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn i would heal them therefore let it be known to you that this salvation of god has been sent to the gentiles and they will listen he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Word of the Lord. Picture your favorite movie. How does it end? Perhaps a superhero saves the world by defeating a villain. Perhaps an ugly ogre finds his princess, they fall in love and live happily ever after. Perhaps a son goes missing and father searches and finds the son. Perhaps the underdogs complete the upset of the century by, you know, scoring the last penalty and they're crowned champions. But what if your favorite movie had a different ending. What if Superman never saved the world? What if Fiona and Shrek never really worked out and Fiona actually falls in love with Prince Charming? What if Marlin never found Nemo? What if the Mighty Ducks actually lost because Charlie missed the penalty shot? Can you imagine the uproar those endings would cause? The ending, whether it's about a movie, book, or a TV show, the ending is crucial 
to the story. And what we read this morning is, an, is, a, is the ending to the book of Acts. Luke's story about the early church. The story, however, ends sort of abruptly, as if Luke ran out of ink or parchment. But more importantly, it seems to lack any satisfying conclusion. Paul is still a prisoner. Paul preaches to the Jews, but only a few believe. Compared to the movie endings that I just mentioned to you, this ending seems a bit disappointing, especially when we consider the fact that the story of Acts starts with a bang. The book of Acts starts with Luke's version of the Great Commission. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples, and he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And almost immediately, we see the fulfillment of that promise. On the day of the Pentecost, which we're called to remember and celebrate today, on that day, the disciples received the Holy Spirit and began speaking in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to. Apostle Peter preached that great sermon and declared that the prophecy of Joel was fulfilled. And by the end of that day, 3,000 people came to Christ. From that point on in Acts, we see the Holy Spirit-filled people of God doing amazing things, healing the sick, restoring the dead to life, and casting out demons. They also brought the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. They became Jesus' witnesses. The gospel was spreading. The church was growing. We begin to see the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Around the midway point of Acts, we see a shift. The gospel, the gospel spreads beyond just Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It moves towards the ends of the earth. And at the center of this evangelistic movement is the Apostle Paul. As you know, he once was a devout Pharisee, committed to erasing all and any teaching and disciples of Jesus Christ. But his personal encounter with the risen Christ on the way to Damascus changed his perspectives and changed his life altogether. He's now a devout Christian committed to the gospel, traveling all around the world and declaring that Jesus is the promised Messiah, that Jesus is the, the, the Savior of Israel and of the world. And there is a pattern in which Paul does this. Every city that he goes to, he first goes to a Jewish synagogue and he preaches to the Jews there and says that Jesus is the hope of Israel. Some people believe, but many people just get angry and they start to go after Paul, at which point ter Paul turns to the Gentiles and preaches to the local Gentiles and he says, Jesus is not just the hope of Israel, but it's also, he is also their hope because the, Jesus is the hope of the world. But eventually, Paul makes enough enemies out of the Jewish leaders. They arrest him in Jerusalem and brings him to the Roman authority for a trial. The Roman authority finds him innocent. 
But here's the thing. The Roman authority also wants to maintain a good relationship with the Jewish leaders. So they seek to do that by handing Paul over to the Jewish leadership. Paul knows that this inevitably, inevitably means a death penalty. So Paul famously says, I appeal to Caesar and is brought to home. And that pretty much brings, up, brings us up to speed on where we are in the book of Acts. Everything that has happened so far in this book has led us to expect one of these three endings. Ending, ending number one, Paul will make his appeal to Caesar and he will get exonerated. Ending number two, Paul will preach to the Jews and this time he will finally break the pattern and he will bear many fruits. He will have, quote unquote, success. Ending number three, he will finally enjoy Christian fellowship with Roman Christians, which according to Romans 1, has been Paul's dream all along. Any of these three scenarios would have been a great, satisfying ending to the book of Acts. But Luke gives us a different ending. Paul never even gets to see Caesar. Paul never meets Roman Christians. Paul does preach the gospel to the Jews, and we're thinking maybe this time his preaching would lead many Jews to Christ, but no. Some believe, but many disbelieve. It's a deja vu all over again. It's a disappointing, unsatisfying ending, especially when we consider the fact that the Holy Spirit was with Paul. It falls short of the glory of Pentecost at the beginning of Acts when 3,000 people came to Christ. And I don't know about you, but I know that feeling. I know that feeling very well. In the late summer of 2016, I moved to Grand Rapids, the, the second Jerusalem, right? Um, I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan to attend Calvin Theological Seminary to become a pastor, hence this. Um, when you look at me today, it might be hard for you to believe this, but I used to have what you call a gentleman's comb-over. That's the haircut when you have, like, you have phase on the sides and a little slick comb-over on the top. So when I got settled in, I began looking for a good barber, and I eventually found Yassin. Yassin is a Syrian refugee uh, who fled his home country during the uh, uh, Syrian civil war in early 2010s. He was, a, he was a Muslim. His barbershop was right next to a mosque in Grand Rapids, and his barbershop was always playing loud Arab EDM music. But none of those things matter because he was a great barber. And let me tell you, my gentleman's comb over during my Yassin days was fresh. <laughs> but there is one more reason. I was a fresh, brand new seminary student. I had all that zeal and passion for the Lord. I wanted to share the gospel with Yassin. So I began praying for Yassin and I kept going back for haircuts. A few months later, I was there for my usual monthly haircut, you know, my maintenance, you know, you get it. And uh, 
at some point, he asked me a question, Mr. Young. He called me Mr. Young because he couldn't quite get Young Kwang down. So he just called me Mr. Young. Mr. Young, what do you do? Oh, I go to Calvin. Oh, Calvin, I know Calvin. Many of my customers go to your college. What do you study, Mr. Young? That question felt like an opportunity for me to share the gospel with Yasin. So I was like, thank God, you know, like finally, God. So I quickly thank God in my mind, and I clear my throat. <clears throat> I actually go to Calvin Seminary, and I'm studying theology to become a pastor. Dead silence. He was visibly uncomfortable. And that was the end of that. I never got to share the gospel. A disappointing, unsatisfying ending. Perhaps you too are familiar with such a feeling. I mean, we don't expect to suddenly speak in different languages and bring 3,000 souls to Christ. However, we do struggle to make sense of why our evangelistic efforts have not yielded more fruits in our life, especially considering the fact that we have the Holy Spirit on our side. We share the gospel with our non-believing family members, friends, co-workers, and neighbors. We plant a church in downtown Milwaukee just to bring Jesus to the neighborhood. We do our best to be witnesses in all areas of our lives to the ends of the earth. But our efforts do not bear the expected number or amount of fruits, even with the power of the Holy Spirit on our side. So the ending of Acts resonates with all of us. Even the great apostle Paul could not lead everyone to Christ. Even his evangelistic effort sometimes produced disappointing, unsatisfying results. But the question still remains, if Paul couldn't convince people and lead them to Christ, then who could? Right? If the acts of the apostles end like this, how can we ever be confident that our evangelistic efforts would ever bear fruits? If you're thinking and wondering about these things, you are absolutely right. If we look at human beings, if you look to human beings, whether ourselves or any apostles, for any confidence or assurance, we will never find it. Because no human, no human words or no human efforts can make another human being believe in Jesus Christ. Evangelism is not about what we do. It's not about, it's not about what you do or what I do. It's about what the Holy Spirit does in and through people like us, in and through the people that Jesus Christ has saved. We're not called to be saviors of our non-believing family members. We're not called to be saviors of our coworkers, friends, or neighbors. This church is not called to save downtown Milwaukee. What we are called to do, what this church is called to do is to be witnesses. 
The Holy Spirit that we have received doesn't make us saviors, but it enables us to be witnesses. Enables us to be witnesses. In fact, Acts begins with that promise. In Acts 1, Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive the Holy Spirit not so that you will become saviors, but so that you will become witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we read the book of Acts in light of that promise, we begin to see the Holy Spirit at work. Even this disappointing, satisfying, un unsatisfying ending of Acts reveals the Holy Spirit at work. Although Paul had done nothing wrong, he was nonetheless a prisoner. And it was the Holy Spirit that made it possible for him to be a witness, even as he was serving his house arrest. When, when the Jews disbelieved Paul's testimony regarding the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, it was the Holy Spirit that revealed to Paul that their disbelief was actually the fulfillment of the prophecy spoken by prophet Isaiah. When Paul turned his focus away from the Jews toward Gentiles, it was still the Holy Spirit that enabled him to minister to both. Read Acts. It says, Paul welcomed all who came to him, both Jews and Gentiles. And once again, the same Holy Spirit enabled Paul to continue sharing the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. The ending of Acts is not about what Paul did or did not do. In fact, the entire book of Acts is not what Paul or any other human apostles did or did not do. The book is first and foremost about the acts of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit has done in and through the people of God. And the same thing can be said about our lives as the witnesses of Jesus Christ. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we say. It's not about how eloquently we say those things. It's about what the Holy Spirit enables us to do. Sometimes, even our best efforts would only produce disappointing, unsatisfying results. Maybe you won't even see the fruits that you so desire. But that is out of our control. The success of evangelism or the efficacy of our gospel does not fall on our shoulders because it all depends on what the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ does according to the Father's will. And that's what I learned three years after that disastrous effort to share the gospel with Yassin. I kept going back to his barbershop because, after all, I still needed someone to maintain my state-of-the-art gentleman's comb-over. I kept going back. But I have to admit, I had given up on Yassin. I had given up on evangelizing him. Fast forward three years to December 19. I went in for my pre-Christmas haircut. Because again, I gotta look fresh, right? 
And Yassin, as usual, did his magic, and I was getting ready to pay. That's when he stopped me and asked me, Mr. Young, any big plans for Christmas? I said, no, nothing, you know, just the usual. I intentionally did not mention any church events that I had to go to. That's when Yassin said, well, Mr. Young, I'm going to a Christmas service. I am going to a Christmas service. I don't usually cry, but when I do, it's for a good reason. And boy, did I cry in the parking lot of that barbershop. I cried because even when my efforts seemingly did not work, God was still at work. Even when I had given up on Yasin, the real, true Savior, our God, clearly did not. And he enabled his people to be witnesses in Yasin's life. Just because we do not see God at work, it doesn't mean that God is not working. Look at Acts 28, 21, and 22. The Jews pretty much tell Paul that they had never heard about him, but they heard all about Christianity. What does that mean? It means that God went before Paul. God was at work in Rome before Paul even got there. See, the real protagonist in the book of Acts is not Paul, it's not Peter or any other apostles. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God the Spirit. He's the real hero. And this story reveals what the Spirit has done in and through the people of God. At the beginning of Acts, it was the Holy Spirit that enabled his, the disciples to speak in different languages. And at the end of Acts, it's the Holy Spirit that enabled Paul to continue preaching the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance. And even today, it's all about the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit is still at work. It's always at work, advancing the kingdom of God and spreading the gospel by enabling people like you and me to stand as witnesses for our Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Acts has a great ending, after all. God was with his people still, because they had received the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit empowered and enabled them to be faithful witnesses in all areas of life. And on this Pentecost Sunday, that's the reminder that God is still with us, because we too have received the Holy Spirit. So whether you, we witness in downtown Milwaukee or Brookfield or at your work or at school, or at a dinner table. We can spread the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance because that's what the Holy Spirit in us enables us to do. The world might never hear about us. The world may never see us as heroes or saviors in our own stories, but that's okay because the point is that it is not about us. It's about God, the Holy Spirit in us. It's about God who is, the, who, who is the real and true Savior, and the world will come to know him. Join me in prayer.
God, we thank you for reminding us today that you didn't call us to be saviors, but witnesses to your salvific work. Now, by the power of your Spirit, enable us, enable us to be faithful witnesses for your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to break barriers and boundaries so that we may reach beyond our comfort zones with this gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.